Welcome back, everyone, to Labelling the Disabling, the podcast where we call out what actually disables people with disability. I'm joined today by my co-host, Ed Burt, G'day, uh, everybody. Chief Operating Officer from the Disability Trust, and we are both so excited to talk to and meet uh, Dr Max Bergman, an agriculturalist from WA, originally from Germany, um, who now runs a dromedary about half an hour outside of Perth. Welcome, Max. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's a privilege. (laughs) How are you? (laughs) Yeah, no, it's looking forward to talking to you today. So you've you've found yourself uh, just outside of Perth um, milking camels. This is, uh, we're we're fascinated (laughs) with this story and um, we're wanting to hear all about it and how how that came to pass. It sounds like you've, You've had a really interesting uh, life experience thus far, thus far. I'm sure lots of adventures to come. But um, you've, you're originally from Germany, is that right? That's right, yeah. yeah. I've got dual citizenship now, but yeah, I was born over there and uh, moved here. Uh, we've got family uh, based in Sydney and uh, Melbourne. And so I came when I was 15 to, to spend a year here going to school. And then I moved back to Germany uh, for studying and came back in 2010. So now it's yeah, been 11 years. Yeah, fantastic. Been, and, and so how did you come to be in Australia the, the second time around? The second time around was pretty much based off that first time around because then, yeah, as I said, through through the family connection, I, you know, we quite liked it here when we were here the very first time. And, and uh, I just wanted to, yeah, come back. And I did that with my uh, now wife. And um, that was back in 2010, initially just to, you know, tour around and, and for her to do a bit of a work experience thing from her uni. And uh, and then I got stuck here in Western Australia uh, starting my PhD in uh, 2011. Mm-hmm. And also uh, because of my sports, because I was a um, uh, professional athlete uh, running at the time, I got nominated uh, by the Australian Paralympic Committee uh, to compete, uh, and so we fast tracked. You know, the whole permanent residency citizenship uh, thing is fast tracked through a thing called distinguished talent migration. And so, basically, both Ronya and me had had our permanent residency within the first year. So we never had to apply for like a second year or holiday maker or whatever. Um, so it was really easy for us. And yeah, two years later, I had my citizenship. So yeah, that's, and then I'm here now. <laughs> so, Fantastic. So yeah. what sort of running did you do? Um, I'm a middle distance runner, or I should say I used to be, and now I'm sort of just trying to run as much as I can. Um, but uh, so I, which means 800 meters and 1,500 meters, but I also ran the five kilometers, which is sort of the, the shortest of the long distances. Okay. And was that at the um, the the Paralympics or the the where where were you running, Max? That's right. Like the highest achievement for every athlete, obviously, is to go to the yeah, Paralympics or Olympics. So yeah. Uh, and I I've done it in two thousand four in Athens and uh, in wow. uh, two thousand eight in Beijing as well. And in between, I competed at a couple of European uh, and World Championships. Uh, basically, every year there's an international event. And yeah, up all the way to 2011, I, I competed every year, um, uh, you know, in different parts of the world, like uh, Brazil, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, Netherlands, and whatever. Tell us what it's like so. to be to be part of that, Max. I mean, we're all just completely swept up right now in the Paralympics. <laughs> um, 
every yeah, night. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, yeah. just you must be buzzing at the moment. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, it does give me goosebumps and stuff when when you watch it and sort of takes you back then. And and I, you know, I never, I always feel like I haven't completely finished, but uh, <laughs> just because of what I'm doing, it's nearly impossible. I, I I do what I do a lot is these days to keep me fit. So when I've got phone calls, I still you know go out running. Um, and I might be on the phone with someone or different people and, and I'm just running. I even got a treadmill in one of my like, a oh, little, yeah. like, little outdoor office. So I'm on the treadmill running in my office talking to people. That's sort of how I try to squeeze in my, as much running as I can. Uh, but, yeah, certainly like watching all the athletes in action now, um, it's it's fantastic. And, and, and yeah. And so you, you have a visual impairment, is that right? Tell, can you tell us about what what your disability that's right yeah. yeah so i'm vision vision impaired not visually impaired of Sorry. course um yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um yeah people always mix that up say yeah. oh, i'm visually impaired like what yeah. you look quite all right to me, but no. <laughs> um, like no, so, yeah. so so i've got what they call stargardt disease which is a form uh-huh. of rp retinitis pigmentosa um so early on they thought i had uh, something called macular degeneration, which is pretty commonly known as well. But um, and that's due to because I've got a blind spot in in the in my center uh, mm-hmm. vision, and and I've got but I've got peripheral vision still. So um, which is of course not as good as a normal sighted person. But yeah, it was sort of I think I was 17 when they re-diagnosed me and said, oh no, this doesn't quite look like macular degeneration anymore. So then they said it's RP. And now I'm here at the Lions Eye Institute with a, a Professor Cheng, who is like a pretty renowned um, professor in, in that whole uh, retina uh, disease area. Mm. And, and so he reclassified it again called, yeah, called Stargardt disease. So now that took my DNA, my parents' DNA, brother DNA and all that. So they know exactly what it is. And, yeah, I go there regular and, and I'm just basically one of their Sampled on their ward study. Uh, yeah. Well, Max, snap, because I have Stargardt's disease as well. Um, oh, very good. And um, uh, I had my fun. DNA, yeah, t- taken by Dr. Chang as well, my mm. parents and my brother, but they couldn't find oh. um, a match. In oh, they the, couldn't? No, they couldn't find the st- Stargardt's DNA. And they said because there's thousands of them, so it could be one that they haven't yet discovered. So. Oh, but at yeah. least you know Professor Chang, he's pretty, pretty l- leading in that yeah. regards and i'm fortunate yeah. to have him right here at the doorstep you are and and he's he's really good um yeah. so but and yeah i'm my a blood... runner too not a paralympian oh, but um oh, yeah i did a calf marathon and i've done a triathlon a couple of years ago but i my vision's deteriorated so badly i cannot run on the road anymore like yeah. even with a guide so yeah, yeah. i'm looking for a treadmill right now but yeah it's it's your story's oh, amazing good. yeah very I'm, good see that you, you can relate to a lot of <laughs> yeah, but your achievement is out there, you know, like really fantastic to reach the Paralympics. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's it's a bit of a thing, but I guess, yeah, uh, you know, it's just, uh, it, it's it's also, you know, I had my brother always running with me and my, my dad supporting us a lot. So we were just sort of grew into it and I yes. never thought about it, never started doing it, hoping I would end, end up doing that. It just sort of happened, and and then it actually happened really quick. Um, so there was a day basically where we got like had a phone call, and they said, "Look, uh, you know," because I was only 18 years, and they said, "Oh, look, 
you're not you got your B qualifier, you didn't get your A qualifier, but we would really give you the opportunity to on on the world stage to to you know start practicing basically. And they they took me that they, they can because I can nominate a handful of athletes even though you haven't got the the A qualifier, uh, and then that just took me along, and it was was really good. Wow. Yeah. What a, yeah, just, you know, for anybody to reach Olympics or Paralympic sta- status is incredible, just a massive achievement. It's just yeah. it, the pinnacle, as you were saying. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. 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 So now no, you're no. running when you're doing your business phone call. So tell us a little bit about the business that you're operating at the moment. Yeah. I mentioned in the intro a dromedary. What is yeah. a dromedary for our yeah. yeah, that's right. So, I mean, our company is actually called Dromedary Australia. So... A, dr- a dromedary camel is actually a one-humped camel, and we just—it's a bit of a play on words. So because we added the I into the word, making it uh, a dromedary, yeah. we're actually nice. um, milking camels. So um, a, a lot of people don't know that Australia got the largest and healthiest wild camel population. So the first thing you think about um, thinking about Australia, of course, you know, is kangaroos, koalas. Uh, but yeah, Australia actually got the largest uh, population of camels, and at, I mean, you might have seen some. I don't know, cycling through yes. the Nullarbor. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that's actually where we get ours from. In that direction, we we um, go into along the Trans Axis Road and mm-hmm. work with station people where they sort of naturally roam around and bring bring them in, and then train and tame them on the farm. And ideally, we, we would like to get a pregnant female. Uh, I always say buy one, get one free. But the reason <laughs> is obviously they need they need to drop a baby uh, to give milk because just like any mammal, uh, no milk without baby. And it's much easier in terms of transport and everything to have a pregnant female rather than a mother and a baby on the truck. It's actually mm. more dangerous. They take up more space and they're harder to train. And by the time they're trained, you already lost half a year in lactation. So... That's what we do. So um, how we got started into all that, I mean, I never planned to to do a camel farm. I um, so, Like when I did my PhD, I knew I always, I didn't want to stay in, in research. Uh, I knew that. I, I liked applied research, um, but the, the real research journey wasn't for me. And I wanted to go back into practical farming. And, and that opportunity obviously is really big here in Australia, whereas, you know, back in Germany, being such a small country, really, compared to Australia, everything is taken up in, in really tight hands. I mean, you can still get started, but it's much harder. You have to be able to drive on the road, which is a no-go for me, obviously, being sight impaired. Um, but, yeah, and then my wife saw this documentary about what it just said with the camels, that we've got this large population, all we do is shoot them at the moment. Mm. And then we looked into it more and more, and that was sort of halfway through my PhD, and the whole planning began. And people laughing at me uh, when I mention it, and and then yeah, I do talk a lot, but I, I'm, I put it into reality. So mm. I uh, I got myself first the first three camels, and and then uh, in the same year we got another five from the bush and trained them, and they had babies. And we started milking, and, uh, and that was back in yeah 2015 now. Right. 16th, sorry. You're, yeah. you're in a place called Mo- Morangup? Morangup, is yeah, that? Morangup, yeah, Morangup, yeah. Right, and so. is that, and how much, how big is your land there? Like, how many camels do you, do you have on your dromedary, Max? Yeah, so at the moment, we're just, 
short of 100. Wow. So we wow. Just, we'll probably go over 100 this, this, this breeding season. Uh, so, yeah, we do have a few here now. Uh, and, it's not just a, a two-camel operation. And, and, and so, we'll, it'll be way more uh, in the future. So the land size is also just changing. Um, just to put things into perspective for, I don't know, listeners living in the city, I mean, we, we are really close to Perth. Uh, but sort of you have to imagine south and north of Perth, there's a lot of real estate and housing and everyone, like, you know, Australians like to hold on to the edge. Uh, so everyone wants to be close to the to the beach and ocean. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, but if you go inland, and that's why we're so close to the city, um, you know, we're not, not much further than a lot of people commute in, in and out of uh, the city every day. Just being uh, going inland, we, we hit what we call the wheat belt, in, and that's mm -hmm. the start of the cropping region. And yep. we're like the first bigger farm, basically. Uh, and my wife actually does work in the city, so she commutes in and out uh, quite regular, uh, regularly um, um, during the week, uh, which is about an hour drive to, to and from work, um, which I guess is pretty standard for a lot of people in, in Australia. Um, and yeah, our farm here is about uh, 340 hectares, and then we lease some land. Mm -hmm. But now, at the moment, we we have a massive opportunity because our neighbour, who is 84, is uh, selling off, oh. and we're just you know working with some investors to to maybe grab up like a, a massive part of that land, which might be you know few hundred or if ideally maybe two two and a half thousand hectares wow. so it will sort of you know grow by 10 times um that's for cropping but also of course to be able to then feed our growing camel herd so um yes yeah. it's, it's all it's... sort of in the changing at the moment yeah so max what do you um what do you do with the camel milk when you're milking the camels and you get the product, which is the milk, I guess? What yes. happens then? What I've never seen milk, uh, camel milk on the supermarket shelf or um, no, no. Or cheese, it, camel cheese. We've heard of goat's milk cheese, sheep's milk cheese, but yeah, what happens? So yeah, that's right. Like everything you mentioned is correct. You can actually do that. Um, you can do cheeses, yogurt, ice cream, everything out of it. Um, we don't do any fresh milk uh, in retail simply because of the logistics. And there are actually other camel farms over east as well, and they do have fresh milk, and they do distribute it. We don't. We don't. So we we do focus on on skin and hair care because there's one thing in camel milk uh, called alpha hydroxy acids, and uh, it's essentially just a bunch. Of organic acids like lactate, um, and and some other skincare products uh, are actually adding that synthetically to their formulations to have an exfoliating effect. So what it does, you have to imagine your skin grows in multiple layers, and the uppermost layer uh, basically dies off and regrows from underneath. And these alpha hydroxy acids they help to remove that dead skin layer. So it's like yes, I said like an exfoliation mm. uh, exfoliator. Um, plus, the milk has a unique molecular structure, so it's really small. So it's actually able it enables the milk to really penetrate deeper into the skin, and and then it's high in vitamin C and iron. And iron is important for um, 
for skin growth, um, like the collagen fiber production. And so all these benefits, uh, you know, that's what we're using, uh, why, like why we're actually concentrating on um, um, skin and hair care products. And I, when we set out to, to start the milking, we didn't think about that. I, I thought I oh, would tap into that coffee culture that Australia's got, and we do like nice camel lattes and camel chinos, <laughs> and um, because the milk looks, it's it's a pure white milk, mm. and if you're lactose intolerant, you can drink it. It's a different yep. structure. So, and as I said, it's almost like a superfood, and it's it, it, it frosts really nicely, and it's and compared to goat's milk, it's nothing like it. Like the the milk is actually similar. Like if you like cow's milk, you can easily drink camel's milk. Yeah. It's slightly sweet. It has a slight hint of saltiness as an aftertaste, but it's a beautiful, mm. really tasty milk, actually. I think. Um, you, whereas you're doing yeah, goat's a, milk, you either love or hate. You're I doing. Hate it. It. You're doing I a good it. job yeah. of selling it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the the other thing is we hear about lactose intolerant um, tolerance, but. Yeah, sorry, we hear about lactose intolerance, but the reality is most people on Earth are lactose intolerant. That is the normal. Um, if you're going to see anything for the human population, it's only those populations like the um, the Europeans. Or oh, like Asians yeah. are all intolerant. So, yeah, yeah, so that's you'd, right. you'd be thinking there's a huge market there, Max. So I think we're all going to be investing in dromedary from the sound of the... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I want the hair care and the beauty well, products. Oh, okay. No, I do that, yeah. Our address Look, is going to be sent through. <laughs> no, absolutely. Look, it's it is, and we are being you know, coming as a as a researcher, basically coming and I haven't done my uh, PhD at UWA. I sort of uh, stay stay connected with uni, and I, I have been supervising a couple of students. So because there's so much research that still needs to be done all around these questions and. And we, uh, I just had a student finishing this year, actually, and she compared it to cow's milk. And we found a significant difference, actually, in the um, cream, in the cream, camel cream that we separate out of the milk to make those uh, products. So the milk has anti-inflammatory and antibacterial properties, um, which is ideal for sensitive skin, people with eczema, psoriasis. Um, and, and that's sort of going back on on a lot of reviews that we're getting from our customers as well right it's really hard in terms of marketing and you know I probably have to be careful what I say here now um, you can't make claims that this is going to heal this and that right so we really can't suggest the milk is going to soothe your eczema issues or if you're allergic um, but now because based on that research we're just just on the edge, and I'm I'm giving that away here now a little yeah, bit because it's it's, a scoop. Um, it's unofficial. It is unofficial, but there's a thing called the Therapeutic Good Administration that yes. regulates all these claims. Yes, and we've just applied to get our milk listed as mm. a listed ingredients, and so now we're just um, uh, finalizing a sunscreen and an eczema cream. And they are both listed with the TGA. So now all of a sudden we have like a listed medicine and we can make therapeutic claims. So now wow. we can say it's soothing eczema and, and, and it's preventing skin cancer because that's that's how sunscreens are very yes. vigorously mm. uh, tested in Australia. 
and you have to be TGA approved, otherwise you can't even manufacture it. Um, and so, yeah, that's where we are right now. Well, uh, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I don't know when this is going to go to air, so hopefully we'll have yeah. it all officially through. But I mean, uh, yeah, otherwise I've given it away. But, you know, you can start <laughs> pre-ordering our sunscreen soon, which should what come out. What is your skincare out. called? What's the company called? So it's you find it all on dromedary.com.au and okay. it's just that it's the, the it's dromedary body and skin products. Okay. So yeah, that's what well, it we'll is. We'll make, so sure. make sure we put that yeah. up as a sideline, won't we? We, we will. We'll put that on. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. Now, now, Max, I'm I'm really keen to sort of get my head around your. Uh, I understand you had some um, modifications done at the at the farm and things like that to, because it sounds like an incredible did, operation yeah. with hun- well now hundreds of animals and and can you tell yeah. us um, what that's like and how you how you manage all of that side of things in terms of um, workplace modifications basically you've you've absolutely yeah. so I definitely have benefited from the NDIS that you know just helping me uh, you know to 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 get you know things moving in terms of you know access uh to things but also uh job access uh mm. is uh you know a government uh initiative obviously where they assess you uh and, and you know if you've got back issues whatever you might get a stand-up desk or a special office chair mm. but in my case they have helped us to fund a an, a gps auto steering system for instance um, which is on the tractor side because i've got the peripheral vision and I, I mean, I only got two, three percent rest vision, but um, I've, I've, I've put a lot of Corfu signs, you know, these white plastic cardboard oh, yes. signs on on the fences and on gates, That's gate entrances, yeah. like visual markers, so I can drive around. Um, and on the tractor, because obviously, when you're uh, going up and down a paddock, uh, doing a crop or something, yeah, we just we just uh, have the GPS and it beeps at you. And you just press a button and it does an automated headland turn. So it just turns around automatically and you just mm. put the implement back in the ground. And mm. So you can literally wow. put a monkey there these days. But so that's what Job Access has done, um, which was, you know, incredible, like really enabling me to do all that. Um, and yeah, and then on our new milking system, um, we've got some technology called an automated cup remover system because, of course, you shouldn't be milking a cow that is uh, not giving milk anymore. Uh-huh. So, you know, you put on the milking cluster, that we call it, and then there's a milk flow for, let's say, two minutes. And yep. then the cow stops giving milk for that day or for, for you know, have a, what we call a milk letdown, but it's, yeah, about two, three minutes. And then you should see, okay, there's no more milk com- coming and you have to take take the cluster off. Otherwise, they call it actually milking blind, <laughs> funny yeah. enough. And you shouldn't do that because you end up doing uh, getting mastitis and all yep. these infections. So in the automated cup remover system, it's a technology used in bigger dairies, like where they milk 50 cows at a time. And then the milker can't look at all the clusters. So what it does, it basically it measures the milk flow. And when the computer detects, oh, there's no more milk coming, it just pulls back the cluster automatically. Okay. And that's what we've got in our dairy as well. So we basically got state-of-the-art technology in there. And I, so I paid for the normal system. And the, the, to get this, that, that, it's like an upgrade. That's mm. what Job Access helped us with as well. Um, so now basically I've got these six cows milking at the same time. I don't have to check all of them. We can just put 
you know, skip three started. Uh, they milk automatically. When they finish, the the thing just falls off automatically, and and yeah. yeah. So uh, those kind of things, and and of course, uh, I use a screen reader. Um, I mean, that's nothing. Job Access has done. I had that through uni already, and um, mm-hmm. yeah, every vision impaired person knows. I mean, there's uh, yes, uh, through the iPhone, obviously, a thing called VoiceOver, um, which is for me. A lifesaver. <laughs> can can you yeah. explain that to us, Max, for our listeners? What that what that does? So, VoiceOver is just an accessibility feature that comes with any iPhone or Macintosh computer. Yep. Um, so, before I was using a, a thing called ZoomText, but that's a Windows-based. I think you can install on Mac. I don't know, but it's ZoomText is basically a software interpreting an operating system and uh, putting text back to speech. So reading out everything that is on the screen, like in a Word Word document or whatever. Um, but obviously because it's a software interpreting another software, it, it always, it's not as good as uh, the Apple software that is built by Apple for people with, with sight impairment. So, mm-hmm. so basically before I always said, I used to buy a computer and pay $2,000 to get my Zoom text, now I pay maybe twelve hundred dollars for voiceover and get a free MacBook Air. Fantastic. And yeah, it um, is a great thing, isn't it, Matt? It's yeah, it's oh. fantastic. Like it's like I mean my wife doesn't like it because it drives her nuts and she like headphones, headphones, where are your yeah. headphones? <laughs> but, but, I have um, the same thing with my husband and I just say, No, if I have to listen to it, you do too. So um, No, no, no chance. No the wife, remember? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Happy wife, happy life. But yeah. Yeah, I think um, I think that's really good, and I think we'll put that on the side of the podcast as well. Job access. I think it's really mm. um, fabulous for more people to hear about job access. I think they just had their ten year anniversary. Yeah. Um, well, it sure, Fifteen yeah. year anniversary, and for all our employers out there listening, or employees who might need modifications in the workplace, please get onto jobaccess.com.au or might be .gov.au. We'll check that out. Mm. But they really do provide a fantastic service to keep people with disability um, in jobs or get them into jobs um, by paying for the workplace modifications that need to be done, which removes the burden on the employer, I guess. Um, That's right. But gives you a qualified expert person in this tight labour market. Uh, You can get the best employee even if, you know... um, they have disability, job access will make the modifications and uh, the employer doesn't have to put a hand in their pocket. So That's um, right. Yeah, it's fantastic. And I just really love all of the applications that can be made by job access because, you know, we know about an office and what might need to be done in an office, but the fact that you live on a farm, a very specific farm. Yeah, 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 that's right. I mean, and and to to add to that, I mean, that was completely new ground for them as well. They were so lovely. Uh, And then we obviously had an assessor coming out and making it all official. You know, we had a test drive in, in near town with, with one of these GPS. So he actually could understand. I mean, I knew what the GPS would do, uh, but the assessor didn't. So we, you know, got him to sit on a big tractor and, and see, see that's how, what it's doing. And he, he went for a spin with me basically. <laughs> um, and, and so it really, 
and the difficulty for us was actually because we're I'm basically self-employed, right? Yeah. Um, so so that that sort of added another layer. But it's all possible, and, and there is, is a, a good. I think they're called good news stories. Um, so job access, it's on the Department of. Uh, um, I have to lie now. Um, <laughs> It could be employment and training home, department. Yeah, employment and training but there's a good news. If you Google our that story on job access, you'll find actually my story that they use uh, and and you know explain what I've done and how it helped me and all that. They're using that sort of on the advertising. Yeah. Part. I think it's department I think it's of social home. services. I think or something. Is it department social of social services, services run job access. I think, I think so. what it really yeah. demonstrates for our podcast, mm. uh, Max and Ed, is that um, we're really here calling out what. Um, we're labelling what is disabling us. And I think if we look at programs like Job Access or, you know, the NDIS, um, and in particular what you've done on your dromedary, it really proves that it isn't the disability that disables us because yeah. you knew that you could run, you knew that you could achieve a PhD, you knew that you could run a farm with your degree in agriculture, your PhD, um, but there were barriers out there that were being caused by, you know, the tractor or the landscape or um, the milking technology that was out there. Um, That's right, and, and yeah. By utilising services like Job Access um, to really, you know, break down those barriers, examine what they are and work out a system around it, that really goes to our Labelling the Disabling mm. um, podcast theme um, mm. that we're doing here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to, to add to that as well, like um, I, I wasn't quite aware of Job Access when yep. I started the farm and, and actually I just... Um, I, I, yeah, I haven't said that, but I've got a seeing eye dog as well. And my old uh, dog, Forrest, he passed away early this year. And, and then mm. when I had the new instructor training me with Fawn, who is my new dog now, um, in this year in April, he, he actually made a statement. And, and I think that I never thought about it um, because you said just said now, oh, you've done your PhD, you've done the running, you do the job there. And, and the way I was brought up, I, I never think about or look at myself. I mean, of course, I, I don't mind talking about my disability, not at all. It's just part of me. Um, and people are always really hesitant. Yeah, you want to, you know, I've got this personal question and stuff. It's, you know, of <laughs> course, you hear the questions 100 times anyways. And especially when you're out with a dog, uh, you know, they, they, oh, he can smell my puppy, budgie, whatever, you know, they, they, and, and I already thought about putting up like a frequently asked question thing on the harness. <laughs> um, so yes, I can smell your, your dog at home and yeah, I'm whatever, two years old and blah, blah, blah. But you're never alone when you're out with a dog. I mean, you're like a celebrity really. Yeah. Or, or I always say VIP, vision impaired. Um, <laughs> but that's not the point. So he said to me, Max, you're someone that is vision impaired and doing things, um, whereas, uh, no, no, see, I got it wrong already. <laughs> You're doing something, but your vision impaired, and most people are vision impaired, and then they're trying to do something. So it's, it's that sort of mindset. So what it means is basically a lot of people are basically living around their disability, you know, like they're all like, I'm, I'm blind now, this is really difficult for me to do this. And I don't know, it might, of course, apply to other disabilities. But 
and and some almost showcase what I just said with a dog, like in public, yeah, that's my seeing eye dog here. Do you want to pet him? You know, like that. And I would mm. never do that. I hate it. Like I, 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 you know, I don't mind when people pet him and ask me and stuff. It's just part of it. But at the same time, if I'm out out and about and want to get things done, I, I, I think I got really good in ignoring a lot of calls from, you know, you walk through a shopping center, oh, doggy, doggy, doggy. You know? And if the if the kids wouldn't have realized, the mothers and dads would point out, look, see, there's a dog. That's a special doggy, you know, like, and, and you're like, come on, I'm, I might be blind, but I'm I'm not deaf, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. Which, you know, I guess it, it doesn't, as I said, it doesn't really bother me, but like, I, I, you become really good in just doing your way. But so the point I'm trying to make is, um, you know, I had a professor saying to me, oh, Max, maybe do more agri- agricultural economy. You know, it's more numbers and more on the computer. Don't do plant biology because it's it's too hard maybe for you to see. And but, and he's right. Of course, it's much harder. But yeah. that's what I was that's interested in. That's what you're interested that's in. Right. Yeah. That's what yeah, you so want to do. Yeah. And so I just continued not to prove him wrong. Right. So that's always the point. I'm, I'm not doing things to prove other people wrong to see that ah, actually I can still do it. It's really more. I just I always pursued what I wanted to do. What you're and, interested and my parents. Mm. Yeah. My parents never put me in a special school. They always just supported me. I always went to regular school. My wife, absolutely. One hundred percent. If I pretend that I can't do this <laughs> because of my disability, gee, I'm in trouble. Like, I, I, you know, I can't be, like, it's just, I'm just so normal for her and and it, rather the other way around. So that makes you sort of really strong in yeah. just doing things. And mm. of course I can't see, of course it's struggle. I'm struggling to see things when I'm driving. I might have to do it a bit easier and some days are harder than others, but I'm just doing that. And and, and, mm. and so that's what that, that instructor meant. Like, I'm just doing things with a vision impairment rather than being vision impaired and then sort of trying to find excuses of what so, not to do and stuff. So, so you, you're, you're sort of recommending to go with your heart, with your passion, what you're interested yeah, in. Yeah, just absolutely. Know? Like, do yeah. what you want to do. Forget yeah. about your disability because what what is a disability? You know, I've heard from, see, a lot of clients from us, they give the milk to autistic children. Uh, because it alleviates some of their symptoms. And then I read a little bit about it and blah, blah, and they say, yeah, autism is not really a disability. We're just different mm. to you. And I thought, hang on, that's, that's of course it's a disability. You know, like I could also say, look, I'm not disabled. You're just, everyone else is just different because they can see I'm normal. I mean, that's, of course, you know, it's what's the problem uh, sort of admitting that, yeah, of course, a normal human being can can see properly. I mean, that's pretty standard. If you can't see properly, that's a disability. If you only got one leg, well, that's a disability. If you've got a mental issue, that's a type of disability. There's nothing wrong with it. It's not it's that a, you're a lesser yeah. human, mm. but it's, it's also not like I, I hate these discussions that go all around this, oh, I don't want to be this, and I'm actually not different. I'm, we're all equal. Yeah, of course we're all equal, but why can't you be equal with a disability? You know, you can Absolutely. be gay. It mm. doesn't matter, but you're still a human, but it's it's all, you know, that's, I guess, the point. Like, just do what you would like to do and you'll be really good at it. Yeah. And it's the same in business, you know. I'm not doing this to become rich. I just love, I'm really passionate about farming. I love my running and I've just done it 
and and then you automatically the success automatically comes because you draw people in with your enthusiasm mm. and all that. Yeah, it's an authenticity, isn't it? You're yeah, being genuine right. to who you are. Yeah. You're being authentic. I'm Max. Yes, I'm blind, but I'm also a doctor in agriculture. I have a farm. Um, I've got a wife. You've got all aspects of your life tied up in that. You're, you know, everything that that's you right. do, you're passionate yeah. about. I think that's and and that's the authentic authenticity that comes and, through. And I see it every every week at the moment. We we have buses visiting us uh, quite regular and uh, regularly. And, and so, and, and we give like short tours, you know, show them a couple of camels, show them our mobile milking system because that's sort of special as well. Uh, about our farm, we just um, got the world's first mobile camel dairy here, which they're actually going to show on Landline very shortly. Cool. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So it's like one of the things, again, you know, I, I do, as I said, I do the same in the business as well. Like I'm, I, I look at things, okay, that's how they're done normally. And I sort of reinvented a system that is 100 years old and applied it to how, how you have to milk a camel. And now we decentralize our whole milking operation by taking the milking system to the camels rather than taking the camels to the milking system. Mm. And, and, and so that's really more sustainable because you're decentralizing the operation in terms of input and effluence. And it's more ethical because our camels can stay in the pasture 100% of the time, don't have to come to the dairy, stay in yards and all that. And see, that's, and that's what we sort of showcase to people coming to our farm. And they, you know, they, they love it. They really love it. We get more and more tours booked in. I mean, I don't want to be yeah. a tourist operator, but I mean, it's just, it's good publicity for us as well. Yeah, it makes sense. A decentralized farm. I love it. So again, yeah, you I know, we're just hearing about these innovations, Max. They're just flowing, flowing out of you. I've got to say, it's pretty fantastic. Um, yeah. I really liked what you said about. I, I was hearing um, Madison De Rosario, who who just won the eight hundred meters um, in the uh, in the um, wheelchair um, event the other night at the Paralympics. She was saying it reminded me of what you said, and she said no one should have to justify the space they take up. Uh, you know, we all we all exist as beautifully perfect, imperfect humans in that in those spaces. You know, and I just sort of think, yeah, it's you know exactly what you said. We don't, you know, disability is part of the human condition, and um, you know we just have to be respectful of one another. But I I, I think your um, approach there is is really in- interesting to hear. I was wondering as well about given your European experience as well, I wonder, I think a lot of Australians don't realise the significance of the NDIS that's um, currently rolled out, you know, the last five or six years. And I think we sort of, you know, we're hearing a lot of talk about sustainability and the cost of the scheme and one thing and another. I mean, I wonder if you've got any views from from your experience and international perspective on on the NDIS and what it's unlocking and unleashing for people in terms of um, we've got to remember it was all, always a productivity initiative in terms of getting Australia moving more accessible, more people into the workplace, and exactly you know I think people are just sort of very very blinkered in their thinking sometimes about this scheme. I wonder uh, if you've got any thoughts on that. Yeah, I, I think, like, I don't know how, how long is that scheme? When did it start? Two, three years 20, ago? I don't know. Like it was 2017. I mean, 
Yeah. It, was it was a really, little bit later yeah. in WA, I think. Yeah, that's yeah, right. That's yeah. right. That's right. Mm. I only got on it maybe two, two and a half years ago, and it's. I mean, for us, the support you can unlock through that. Yeah. It's just mind blowing. I mean, it's just and 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 then initially, to be honest, the way I, I tick in my head, I felt I, I it wasn't really for me. I thought, oh, I can do that myself. But then at the end of the day, you're like, no. Like, I mean, I'm running a business. I need a driver to take me from A to B all the time. Yep. If I have to pay that on my own terms, of course, I have even an economical disadvantage to, to my competition or whatever. Massive. So, mm. and, exactly. and I mean, they, it's really just uh, sort of, or, or they pay for your seeing eye doc. I mean, oh, I mean, that's, they're expensive and, mm. and yes. they are, but they are in terms of mobility, not just as a great companion, but they are just mind blowing. Like mm. for me, that was such a game changer when I started with seeing IDOX, and and um, so the opportunity is, yeah, I, 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 I very quickly when I realized that, I stopped feeling guilty and yeah. thought, nah, like you know, the 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 if you complain about it, let's swap. I take your good eyes, and you get yes. the money out of the NDIS. <laughs> No questions asked. Yes. Um, and, and so then people usually shut up anyways. So to put that in perspective with Europe or Germany, I don't know, other countries, but um, um, the, the support is way better here now. So yeah. even when I came to Australia back in 2000, uh, you know, having all this, and that was way, obviously, way before the NDIS, but then uh, they had all these, um, what were they called? Like, in, like it was all integrated in a normal school. You had people helping you, reading out things. And, and that sort of really helped me because I struggled. Uh, there was a time that our headmasters, the, the teachers were quite good, but the headmaster said, no, oh, he's blind. He needs extra time for an exam. No, I don't want this. He can go to a special school. He was really like putting a lot of bricks into my past. And my parents really pushed and fought against it and went when even wanted to go to court with it and would have won um but then we thought now nah, why should we make it that hard so i went to australia i had a completely different experience in school right. very integrated and i loved it uh and then when i came back i didn't return to that same school i just went to a different uh school which we uh, yeah the, the school was bilingual as well and all that um so i um but it was a standard school. So, and they were really awesome, really supportive. It wasn't an issue. I just had a little bit more time to read, you know, get through my exams or I could do my exams on a computer, not handwritten, mm. all that stuff. And I just finished school normally and I've done it quite, quite well, I think. And then, mm. um, like support in terms of support, like getting a dog in Germany is much harder. And I mean, there's a thing like blind pension. Um, but yeah, it's, Yep. You know, it's 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 there's no comparison. I think, I think the the scheme we've got is absolutely brilliant here in Australia. And I think that's really the good. thing Australians maybe don't realise. Um, there's so many so many countries around the world who are, you know, really it's all all eyes on Australia in terms of what we're doing here. Um, yeah, yeah, it's definitely. it's definitely leading the way. Leading the way. Yes. It's something we should all be incredibly proud of, and and you can hear some of the um the outcomes you know like with the listing of your tga approved um you know products and you know those innovations and and even just thinking about the you know some of the um 
text to to speech, um, you know, innovations that we see in the technology. Um, that's all thanks to people with disabilities and the you know the the accessibility initiatives that these big tech companies have undertaken that have just benefited everybody uh, a millionfold. You know, I, I just think it can't be. Um, overstated no. <laughs> so i think Again, no, the, innovations no, that, yeah. the innovations that help That's... um or change the way for people with disability end up having an effect um on changing um, and making the world more accessible for everybody and mm. making us all be able to achieve more than we did at mm. the beginning mm. i'd just like to pull you up there max because you did say that you did quite well at that second school can i just say that you have done um, extraordinarily well in your achievement. You've got a um, undergrad <laughs> yeah, degree, you. a master's, and a PhD, and now you're supervising students doing their PhD. So I think you did a little bit better than just quite well. Um, <laughs> so congratulations on that. And two, um, it also goes to demonstrate how those small adjustments by giving you a little bit of time at exams, or if we're talking about you're seeing iDoc Fawn, or we're talking about the modifications on your property, um, they're small changes to make and cost very little in comparison to what you have achieved for um, Australia in terms of your farming now, your agricultural contribution to Australia. You've got, you're also helping us with our environmental situation, mm. taking those wild camels off um, yeah, the land yeah, out yeah, there and, yes. and doing something useful and productive with them. So like Ed said, um, you know, you now have got products listed with the TGA. Your contribution as an Australian um, is incredible um, and it is a very small price to pay making those adjustments for you um, to receive those benefits. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's actually I haven't, <laughs> haven't <laughs> thought of that far, but yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. But but even saying that, because I always, you know, I, um, another little point is, you know, not everyone wants to do what I do, you know, that's mm. another thing you have to appreciate. Like not everyone wants to be an entrepreneur. Like my mm. wife, for instance, she's quite happily working for another company, not having the risk, being able to knock off. See, that's the thing because people always look at me and then they say, oh, it's incredible, blah, blah, blah. But hey, I love doing it. Uh, yeah, you've chosen long it. Hours. That's mm. right. So never forget that. No, it's always, I don't want to compare, like, a, you, you know, you can be a high achiever in a, in a normal nine to five job as well with a disability. Doesn't need to be like, oh, now I've got to find my own little business and do something no. extraordinary. Mm. So some people want just want something simple. And I know people that are fantastic musicians, they're blind, that, you know, they don't do much more than play the guitar, but they're great at it and, and all that. So it's, yeah, I guess, you know, uh, yeah. So just to, to yeah, we're all making a contribution. Yeah. I think everybody somehow that, that's right. Um, yeah. just said about um the athlete in terms of we're all take have yeah. a purpose. We can all take Correct. up the space that we need Absolutely. to yeah. without yeah. having to judge ourselves against somebody else or why do yeah. they do it this way or you do it that way. Um, yeah. Yeah. But what I'm saying is by removing the barriers around you, you've been able to succeed in the areas that you've wanted to succeed and that Absolutely. you've been passionate about. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. No. And, and as you said, it benefits everyone. You know, even yeah. the white core flute science, it helps mm. Leo who, who works here with me and everyone's sighted to see the fence better at night as well. And, mm. and you know, we're a dairy farm, so we often operate early mornings, late nights, sun is low. So it's good to have good visibility. GPS is good for everyone on the tractor. So it's not just me benefiting. So I think it's going to be standard issue before we know from the sound of things. Yeah, yeah so, oh, um, it is. Yeah, but, yeah. but look, it's, properties would be, yeah. 
It's yeah. been it's been amazing talking to you about Carol. I'm just conscious of um, of the time, and sure. uh, Max yeah. is probably yeah, um, sun do going down in the west. <laughs> every time I do a podcast, I could talk to the person forever yeah. because um, yeah. you know, awesome. people, one, it's the contribution of you sharing your story, the generosity of people sharing their story, their private information, um, their own experiences, which you know are very private and very um, significant to us. Um, and two, it's just fascinating. I mean. How often do we get to meet someone who runs a um, camel dairy and makes beauty products? This is a first camel for me. Dairy. This yeah. is a first for yeah. me too. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> I, like. I haven't met someone else as well. <laughs> and I've only ever met one other Paralympian. So, you know, this is pretty no, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all, all right. right. Well, it was a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, no. Thank you so much. Thank you, Max. Thank you. We'd um, Ed and I would like to thank Max uh, Bergman, Dr. Max Bergman, uh, very much for taking the time to speak to us from WA, and we know you've got other things to get on with. Thank you so much for sharing your story um, and everything that you've achieved with us today, Max. Appreciate Fantastic. it. Thank you so All much. Right. Have a great day, guys. Thanks, Bye. Max.